Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Friday, Friday, got a little Friday. I'm uh, all into this, and this is a really good Friday, Heidi. It's a good Friday because it's Friday and it's payday. (laughs) Uh, The best kind of Friday. I got the thumb up from her. (laughs) No, no, the best, the very best Friday is when it is a, you know, a payday. It's Friday, and it is the beginning of a three-day holiday. True. I, I can one up that though. Is that 100%. if it's um, so if it's a payday, it's Friday before a three day holiday, but it's also Friday the thirteenth because one that means ah, you got paid two days early instead of having to wait till the fifteenth. That's cr- I, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're and right. I mean, I'm wearing a Friday the thirteenth t shirt right now, so I mean, did also- you see this cool t shirt he had on, Heidi? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> The thing with Jason. Jason and, takes Manhattan. Where and he, he's uh, got an axe too. Well, yeah, he's, he's got an electric axe. So this is a scene from. Uh, Jason takes Manhattan when he brains the chick with the <laughs> with the electric guitar. <laughs> yeah, it's a great uh, great uh, T-shirt you got on. That's Mark Pellegrini. He's in the studio today. Doctor Tim Lim, how are you, brother? I can't complain. How's it going? Good morning, you know, guys. We're doing great, and uh, Tim's going to be with us as well, which always means we're going to talk about culture. Absolutely. It always means we're going to talk about culture. In fact. Guys, last night I went to the movies and I went and saw the new uh, Liam Neeson movie, which was not bad. I didn't even know there was a new Liam Neeson movie out. Yeah, what so was it, it called? Honest Thief. Honest Thief? Oh, okay. I think I might have seen, like, um, YouTube might have given me a, a trailer for it that I skipped after five seconds. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> I heard his voice. It's so. not bad. Well, yeah. I just like I just like Liam Neeson. I've, I've liked him ever since Darkman. Oh man, he was he was fantastic in that that Sam Raimi movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, Liam Neeson is. So we, we were talking um where we were chatting the other day, and my attitude is that there are certain actors who have been in bad movies but have never been bad in a movie. Um, we're talking about Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee or like that. Yeah, I think they absolutely. have perfect scores. And I can't really think of a time Liam Neeson has been bad in a movie. He's been I in agree. bad ones, but yes, he has been in some bad movies. <laughs> but he always plays his part in the movie. He always plays well. What do you think is his best movie? Let's ask Tim that best Liam Neeson movie you can remember, Tim. Oh, Schindler's List. Okay, <laughs> I was going to say Dark Man. So <laughs> well, no. Rob Rob Roy. Yeah, Rob Roy's pretty good too. I like that movie a lot. I really do funny about rob roy so my mom uh we had uh two beta vcrs in in our house when i was a kid and one vhs so what my mom would do oh is she God. would i know so you had she, it all yeah well 
she bought the, the betas when they were on sale when no one was using betas anymore. That's how we got those. And so she bought a ton of blank beta tapes, and that's how we got those. So we had a, a, a video library like nobody else had because she bought them for pennies. Um, so what she did was she would rent the VHS from Blockbusters on Tuesday, and then she would copy it over onto a blank beta so we could watch it whenever we want. But I just remember this one cassette. It said Rob Roy, and on the little handwritten note, it said, Kids Can't Watch. <laughs> so to this day, I still haven't seen Rob Roy. Well, I the feel only like... problem about, you know, why wouldn't she let you watch Was Rob it rated? Roy? I don't know. I haven't seen no, it. So it was. It's PG-13. PG-13? Yeah, I, don't know. I guess she... the rape scene in it. Oh, that must be it. She must have had something in, in her head. Is like, like, there were worse movies that I could watch. I mean, there's there's a lot of language in, like, Ghostbusters and Gremlins and yeah. stuff, and she let me watch those. But I, yeah. mean, <laughs> I mean, Rob Roy, the rape scene is... If you can do a rape scene done tastefully, mm. uh, it was done tastefully. It didn't show anything. I'm trying to think, who played the bad guy in that? Because it, it was the first time I ever saw him in a movie, and I liked him. And he's, uh, Tim, he's been in a lot of other movies since. He had the, that, uh, uh, what was it, uh, the one about Lie or whatever, where he was the head of the, the uh, firm that could watch video and tell whether people were telling the truth or lying and all of that do you rem- remember that tv show i don't tim, are we talking tim tim what's his name tim uh, uh oh tim roth yeah tim roth <laughs> sound yeah. like you're yelling at the dr tim right tim, now tim tim tim, tim, tim. Yeah, come on you. what's the answer tim yeah tim tim roth it was the first movie <laughs> yeah, i ever yeah. saw him in mm. and i was impressed with his bad guy portrayal because he was really good in it and then uh, he's been in a bunch of other movies since then. Of course, Reservoir Dogs and a lot of other stuff. Well, it's always cool when character actors, who even if you can't remember their name, you always remember their parts. And when they pop up in a movie, because it's never like they don't get top billing or billing at all. So when they pop up in a movie, it's like a pleasant surprise. Like Godzilla King of the Monsters, when the, the <laughs> bad guy from uh, Last Action Hero showed up as a bad guy in King of the Monsters. Like, oh, it's that guy. I don't know his name, yeah, but, but I he love that should have. <laughs> he, sh- he needed to have the fake <laughs> the, the glass eye, eye with the, the glass happy face. eye with the happy face on it. <laughs> yeah. I would have loved that. Now he's he's in the the new movie, uh, oh, Godzilla Kong. Yeah, because he's he's uh, he survived you saw him the last at the one. End. Yeah, you saw him at the end of uh, Godzilla, Godzilla King uh, of the Monsters, and he's got one of uh, what's his name's uh, heads. Oh yeah, Ghidorah's heads. Well, yeah. So I guess that's we were just talking about it before we went on the air. Is that a lot of movies that were supposed to come out this year were delayed till next year? Yes. And I think for Godzilla versus Kong, that actually worked out to their benefit because they gave them extra time to work on the visual effects. So it may end up looking a lot nicer than it would have if it came out this year. So you know. So t- <laughs> Tim, everybody's waiting for the trailer for Godzilla versus Kong, and now uh, they came out. Who's it? Legendary. Is, is yeah, that legendary. Yep. Okay, legendary has told the fans, make your own trailer, and we'll post them. <laughs> and I'm wondering what what could be the the holdup of that. It can't, it, does that mean that this movie is going to be really bad? I mean, that's what's I worrying me. No. no, I don't think so at all. I think what happens normally is that trailers are normally made to be shown inside to get the most viewing possible. Yeah. So typically, it, I mean, for sure we have media to watch it on because we all have a computer, but um, if your theaters are open, that's even more exposure because you're going to be paying for that trailer to be shown inside the theaters as well. And so I think that what they're, I think they're actually doing the smart thing, which is, hey, we only have one platform to show this in, which is people's homes. But if we're going to be paying this much money for a trailer, why don't we just wait for the theaters to completely reopen 
uh, before we show it to everyone because it's kind of like, yeah, you saw the Wonder Woman trailer, you saw the Black Widow trailer, but now you're kind of, the momentum has kind of been lost because it's like, but these movies aren't out yet. So what was yeah. the point in even seeing them? So I think that they're actually doing the smart thing by thinking to themselves, well, heck, we're being delayed anyway. We might as well delay the trailer because there's no point in getting people hyped when we don't even know how you know movie how movie theaters are going to be a year from now. Right. I mean, it's, there's a point where you show your trailer too early, and like you said, the momentum dies, and then people don't care anymore. It's like they showed the, the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer, you know, what was that, like December of last year? The movie was supposed to come out, you know, in July. And now no one even remembers that movie was supposed to come out. It's, it's probably just going to come and go in the theaters and no one's going to notice. I mean, the, the uh, studios had to do some crazy things like Bill and Ted 3, where they showed that trailer before COVID and everything shut down. So they released Bill and Ted 3 to streaming. And it did okay, but the hype on that one only lasted kind of like a while a little while, and then it went away. I've heard Bill and Ted 3 was pretty good. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I heard really nothing but good yeah. things, and I didn't get out to see it, and I did want to see it. Yeah, I just think there, that uh, Legendary is afraid that's going to happen with uh, Godzilla versus Kong. And honestly, if you want to see a trailer for a giant monster movie that's going to get you hyped, you want to see it in the theater. That's like the one trailer you want to yeah, see in the really theater. Yeah, really big. want to see it big. Yeah, it's not going to impress you when it's on your, your smartphone, you know? Okay, so have you guys seen the uh, trailer for the new Ryan Reynolds movie that's opening here shortly? Some, what is he play? He's like wondering why his life is like the same things over and over oh, and over I again. I saw the trailer and, for that one a while ago. And he yeah. find, he he, figure, he finds out that he's a you know a character in a video game yeah. that really has no. Big piece in the so video they're, game. They're called NPCs, non-playable characters. Yeah. That's become a, a pejorative to call people who, in, in the real world, who have no opinion of their own, who just get fed uh, like dialogue by the media. They're called NPCs. So people are confused about that term. That's where it comes you from. You mean Joe Biden voters. <laughs> Joe, yeah, Joe Biden voters. That's <laughs> usually who we're, we're referring to when we, when we talk about NPCs. It's people with no will of their own, no opinions of their own, who, who just uh, report whatever, like repeat whatever they see on TV and on media. Um, but he's a he's the legitimate NPC. He's he's um, a non playable character in a video game. But you know he wants more. He wants to do something that impacts the story. Well, he ends line. up getting a <laughs> pair of glasses. It looks like I saw the trailer last night before uh, this Liam Neeson movie, and it it was like I, I I looked at my wife and I go, eh. I mean it didn't look like anything special. It looked mm-hmm. like a best way I can put this. Ryan Reynolds movie. He's the same in every movie that he's in. I mean, he plays Deadpool in every movie that he's in. Yeah, he does. And it it gets a little tiresome. It's funny because he's played three different comic book characters. He played Hannibal King, who is a character from the Blade and and Dracula comics from right, Marvel. Right. He played Deadpool, obviously, and he played Green Lantern, but he plays the same person in every single one. It doesn't matter what comic book character you give him, he always plays the same character. And only <laughs> the way that he acts does it play well in Deadpool. That's the one that it actually fit. It didn't fit Hannibal King, who wasn't, you know, a goofball, and it didn't fit Hal Jordan, who wasn't a goofball. They, yeah. <laughs> you know, he, play, he plays Ryan Reynolds, and it just so happens that Deadpool Pool is already Ryan Reynolds, so that yeah. was a good fit. Yeah, so I don't know. I I saw it and I went, meh. Now is everybody going to you know make fun of me and and cancel me like David Cosby? Is that what everybody's going to do? Did did you hear what happened to David? David Cosby? Yeah. What? No. Yeah, you know Crosby does Cro- oh, Crosby. I'm sorry. Crosby, yeah. You heard what happened to him? Cro- did Crosby you hear about the town? No. No, I don't even know who David Crosby is. Crosby steals Nash and Young. 
Oh, that's that's the reason why I'm not a music person. Okay, yeah, classic rock uh, folk. Uh, yeah, they asked him about Eddie Van Halen, but yeah. he passed around. He went, eh. He didn't really know him, or he didn't well, really no, care well, about him? Well, no, he had met him, and he said he was a nice guy and stuff, but when he talked about legendary guitar players, he said Hendrix. <laughs> and, oh, my God, the Van yeah. Halen fans went crazy on him. Now's not, I will say that just for... The purposes of decorum, you know, now is not the time well, to now be so blunt. Time, yeah, you know? now is not the time to go. Eh. You don't. You don't have to. You don't have to. I know. You don't have to go. And eh, whatever. You know. Yeah. Wait, no big loss. You don't say Everybody's that. Everybody's right death is more than a meh. You I, know mean, what I mean, there, there are musicians who have died where I, I'm either not a big fan of their music or I'm a radio fan of their music. I don't know their albums, but the song comes on, I'll listen to it. You know, um, who it? doesn't know Jump? Yeah, Joe, I mean, I like Van Halen. So or I, Panama. Pana, yeah, I, I think he's a legitimate. Uh, he was a legitimate rock god, but that's just me. But it's like no, I Tom, agree. Tom Petty died a couple years ago, right? Yeah, same thing. And I mean, that's the thing, though. Is I'm not a big Tom Petty fan. My brother is, but I'm not. But when he died, I wasn't like, eh, whatever. You know, it's Tom Petty. Who cares? Well, I you can like, still, you can still see a, what kind of effect he had on. Yeah, I mean, rock like and roll my music. brother was a fan, you know, and I mean. I, his music is like I don't change the station when Tom Petty songs go on. I don't go like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers yeah. make a stop. You know, <laughs> no. <laughs> I just think I'm that glad you don't do that. <laughs> I think there's just a certain level of you know respect in class. If, if you know someone dies and they ask you the same day they die, like oh like what did you what did you think about? It? I mean, I go oh that guy sucked. He's gone. Well, <laughs> I gotta say at least you know you know Van Halen. You you had to look at him, and he didn't make a, a complete ass of himself like Stevie Nicks did just the other day. <laughs> did you hear about what Stevie uh, Nicks no, did? No, what did Stevie Nicks did? Did you hear about Stevie Nicks, Tim? No, I didn't. She started talking. She said that she had an abortion. She ever got, yeah. evidently got she got pregnant by Don Henley of the Eagles. <laughs> Don Henley. And so she decided to have an abortion, and she said that was a good thing because if she hadn't had the abortion— she probably would have never joined Fleetwood Mac. She'd just have a kid and if she, did, she loved and if, she did, if she had not joined Fleetwood Mac, they wouldn't have brought that fantastic music to the rest of the world. So, I mean, that's disgusting. It reminds me of that actress during the Academy Awards who basically did the same thing. And I think Alyssa Milano has said yeah. something very similar oh yeah to it, she's all she's all happy about i think she's had two I mean, abortions in fact it's it's gone i guess and more i think what they do is and what's so what's so disturbing about it what's so sickening is that even people who have had it that i know who are pro-choice or pro-life doesn't matter there is a sense of you just don't talk about it like you're not supposed to be happy for yeah. it um that's a normal psychological it's supposed to be the hardest decision you'll ever make in your life and you're you're right. something that's supposed that's what to democrats say well that's what the thing is like, that's the talking point but you hear so many actresses it's like a bragging right now yeah, like, i is. had an For abortion have you yeah you know it, it's and it's gotten kind of scary that now it, it's it's trendy you know like oh you're not a woman until you've had an abortion and it's 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 a frightening Ooh, prospect it's, but yeah, it's supposed to be something like it is the absolute last resort to maybe save your life, and even then, you're just you, you're not happy about it. All right, Mark Pellegrini's here, Doctor Tim Lim is here, both of them young guys, both of them in the culture wars, fighting in the trenches. They do it through comics. We'll talk more about that as we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Twenty-one minutes after six. Good morning. It's Friday. All right, back with you. 
Mark Pellegrini and I in during the uh, break here. Tim, I wish you were here at the studio. Are you down in Texas? Not yet. I'll be there in about two weeks. After I'll be there in time to vote for the election. Oh, so, you, so you're here, but you decided you didn't want to come here and get infected. Is that what you're saying? Oh no, I'm at. Uh, I'm I'm here in Texas, but I'm going to be oh, back in uh, Arkansas. Oh, you're going to be back here. Okay, gotcha. Okay, yeah. well we'll have you back. We'll have you guys back on then uh, around uh, the first week of November. We'll get you both in the studio then. And you cool. don't. And you don't have to wear a mask. I I don't wear a mask <laughs> while I'm in the studio because we sit pretty I, far apart. No one here, um, honestly, like here where we are in Central Texas. I mean, every, it's understood that everyone is tired of it. I mean, you basically wear it as a ticket to go into a restaurant, and then everyone takes it off when they sit down. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's the way it is here. In fact, I, the only reason I wear one is so I can buy groceries because they won't let me buy buy one without one, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I went last night. I went to Guadalajara, the Mexican restaurant right there in Cabot by the bowling alley for by trying to think. Well, where is he? Uh, anyway, well, I went there and we sat down, and they were really quick at getting the chips and the salsa out. Soon as the food hit the table, man, the mask came uh, off. Boom. Well, but in California, so it, you have to take the mask off between bites. Between of food. bites, yes, <laughs> you do. I think it's funny that. Um, so I, I was telling this to my wife, but I said that there were there are a couple things that have happened in the last two weeks where you can just tell where people are going to go with this, and it's it's in my opinion, it's in the positive direction. I think that the president getting COVID and recovering in three days with no vaccine and just on Regeneron and other therapeutics, and I think the symbolism of him being on the White House balcony, just taking that mask off in front of the whole world, I think a lot of people were really emboldened by that. But that's also coupled with the fact that even the CDC has come out and said that yes. like, in their study, I think it was, what, 85% of people who were regular mask wearers were not, you know, they still got they it. They still got regardless. it. Regardless. That's, and so, that's and so, right. I've talked to several people. I mean, uh, people that you and I both know, uh, 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 Dave, who they're very, very, very pro-mask and almost like dogmatically pro-mask. And it's almost like they had no skepticism whatsoever where it was like, you do understand that there's a political component here, right? And I think that a lot of people are going to look back on this year and they're going to say, what in the world were we thinking? It was it was almost like Y2K where everyone was freaking <laughs> oh, wow. out, thinking that like, the global, like the global computer grid, was going to go down because everyone's computers had like a bug in it or something. I'm, al- I'm almost of the opinion it's like the Mayan calendar. Oh yeah, well I mean, it's, right. I remember that. Like every year they say, oh, 2012 is going to be the end of the world. Oh well, you know, we know we did some more research. It's actually 2013. The World Health Organization has contradicted themselves on every single one of their COVID protocols. They said, oh well, you got to do this. Well, actually, that doesn't work. Well, you got to wear a mask. Actually, it doesn't work. Oh well, you got to you got to swab every surface down. Actually, that doesn't work. We got to shut everything down. Oh wait, just last yep. week they came out and said no doesn't work because putting sick people together in their homes all day long you know congregated just makes them all sick instead of one of them being sick and and why are we so worried we now know that for instance if you're 20 or under your chances of dying from this stuff is 99.9 or not dying from it is 99.9 i mean the people who are most likely and the most at risk to get you know a fatal infection the the elderly is is you um (laughs) i was gonna say the elderly but now i gotta watch my words um (laughs) but don't worry about it bro we were putting we were putting sick people in with the elderly in nursing homes the most at-risk people and of all the things we shouldn't have done we did that you know (laughs) 
see where Cuomo is blaming the health workers? Uh, yeah, he's blaming the health work, even though he's the one who gave the order to do That's it. It's right. like blaming the police in these cities where, where BLM is tearing down monuments. But like, why aren't the police doing anything? Let's blame the police. Like, the police aren't doing anything because they've got a stand-down order. They've been orders. told not to do you anything. Know? If you tell them to go ahead and stop them, then they will. If you tell them to do something, they will. But if you tell them they can't and that their pensions and their livelihoods will, are on the line if they do, then they'll stand down. And the same thing with those those uh, health workers. You know, you, you, you tell them, put these people in with these people or you're fired. They're going to have to do it. You don't blame them. You blame the person who gave the order. Yep. Well, Kumo's saying it was the health oh. workers. Wasn't me. Kumo's Wasn't me. Scum. In, that, in New York and in New Jersey, 40% of the deaths happened in those two states. Unbelievable. It is. All right. We got news coming up. When we come back, Tim Lem, we're going to talk about Peter Cushing and, and um, Mr. Lee. Christopher Lee, we're going to do that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. Dr. Tim Lim, have you been watching anything on Netflix or on Amazon? No. Um, they, it sounds really juvenile, but basically I just watch cartoons whenever I have my free time. <laughs> well, you deal with comic books, dude. I mean, I, I mean, I understand that. I understand where you're at. But I've been watching a show on Amazon that I I have seen dark storylines before, but the storyline of this is the darkest show I've ever seen. Have you heard about this Utopia? No, uh-uh. Oh, uh, you, you got to see it. I'm just telling you, it is dark, 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 and I'm amazed that they even let it out of the bag this year because it's about a pandemic oh they probably figured like oh this now's the, the time to release it we'll i don't, even more I don't think so because yeah. people are really you know given uh amazon a hard oh. time about it you know what i've noticed this year though is that so usually when when times are tough because of economic or, or health or whatever situations usually the the media that surrounds it tries to cheer people up like during the great depression there's a yeah. whole lot of very upbeat musicals well, and, sure. and good movies That's this year buzzy berkeley was big yeah this year no it just seems like everything is um really depressing and unpleasant in our in the media that we, that's being released and it's not even trying to cheer us up for how bad this year has been <laughs> i tell you it's just really this movie is really depressing the the lady who's writing uh um i think eight, wrote eight of the ten episodes is uh jillian flynn she wrote gone girl oh yeah which was a great movie and i i i, I thought she did a great job with that and uh she also wrote a movie called sharp objects if you've never seen it that's another movie that's really good. Hmm. But uh, she's writing this, and, I mean, she goes where you shouldn't go as far as dark, dark. Okay. All right, you got a, you got a, a daughter of a, of a scientist that was kind of like kept in a Skinner's box type, type of routine, and you've got these people who've been reading this comic called Dystopia now – uh, 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 Utopia comes out, and within the panels of the comic, there's all of these hints about what's coming, and you find out that the person who did Dystopia and did Utopia was actually the doctor of this girl who was being held against his, uh, you know, unwillingness, I guess, uh, and was made to 
to make uh, diseases to be unleashed at different times on the unsuspecting world. Uh, like a lab in China unleashing yeah, uh, flu just, on the world. It's yeah. really wild. And, and, and John Cusack. Oh, him again. I haven't seen anything of him in a long time. He plays one of the most despicable people that, you know, this is not, what was the movie he did where he had the record store? I was saying, oh, no, that was a High Fidelity or, yes, something or like Empire that. Records. Yeah, something it was like something that. like that. And, and, you know, I remember the scene where he's outside the girl's window holding the boom Oh, that say anything. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm going, wow, to go from... Doing that till you get into the twilight of your career, and you you're doing just th- this really, really, really dark. Well, I think when you're show. when you're younger, I guess when you're as an actor when you're younger, you're you're willing to play to type just because you're trying to get your career going. When you're older, established, and you've already got your money, then you're willing to experiment and do weird characters that are outside your wheelhouse, you know. And then Rain Wilson is in it. Oh yeah, and he plays a really different kind of character. Uh, it's if you've not seen this, I'm going to warn you before you start it. It's dark, really mm. dark. It's kind of like uh, what was that movie Peter Jackson did about the girl who was killed and uh, something lovely oh, bones. Yeah, that that was dark. Um, the beautiful bones. Yeah, beautiful that. bones. It, it, mm. it, it has that kind of a vibe to it, but it's it's like a car wreck. You can't take your well, eyes maybe, off. Maybe maybe don't be re- uh, recommending it to people just before seasonal depression kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the truth. All right, and, and if if you're sitting at home and you're afraid to go out, don't watch this movie. <laughs> I'm just telling you, do not yeah. watch this. It's a series. It's not a a movie. And they've already okayed it for season two. Mm. Uh, but uh, it's got quite the dark storyline. Now, I'll tell you the one that I'm not watching because they did uh, an interview with several of the people. And they said it is when they made it uh, this time, it was anti-Trump and anti-gun. And that's the boys. Oh, yeah, right. I'm not, not watching the boys this time. I never read the comics, so I didn't really have an interest in seeing the TV show. I don't know. Tim, did you ever read the boys? It was Garth Ennis, right? Yeah, it's on Amazon. But um, I don't know. Whenever I hear that something is dark, <laughs> I'm in that point of my life where um, there's enough weird stuff in the world today that <laughs> I choose my media. And you escape it. Yeah. I'm here with you. All right. Yeah, especially when it comes to like superheroes, I really don't. Uh, I don't. I don't actively seek that stuff out for my entertainment. Yeah, well, I watched the first season just because, you know, I had always thought, what if all the superheroes weren't such superheroes? You know, that's the th- the thing about that though is that it's that isn't a new idea, and so many comics, at least since the '80s, have done that. I, we were on a we were on a, on a stream. Uh, on YouTube a little while ago, Tim and I, and we were just talking about um, the Vertigo imprint that DC had in the 80s, and it was populated almost exclusively by uh, British and European writers, and they all had the exact same premise for all of their stories. If it was Alan Moore, Neil Gaiman, Grant Morrison, Mark Miller, uh, all these European, they all had the same thing. It's like, American superheroes, but they swear, and they have sex, and they kill people, and no, we're going to show that uh, it's really stupid to dress up in costumes to fight crime, and that's that's Watchmen. That's all these other, these comics. This, that's Sandman. Sandman has the same plot line in it as among his other plot lines. Mark Miller has that in his in all of his well, books. Kind of Kickass was that. Kickass is the same thing. That's a Mark Miller one. That's one he did for Image. But 
That's just a very European way of telling uh, superhero stories is just to, to deconstruct them, is the phrase I like to use, which basically just comes down to, you know, oh, you know, that part in Watchmen where Night Owl has erectile dysfunction or, you know, that part <laughs> and, and just trying to like bring like real world uh, politics and, or real world, you know, physics into comic books and like, oh, isn't it stupid that they wear costumes? When you think about it logically, it's really dumb. And like, yeah, when you think about it logically, but these are superhero comic books. So you don't have to think about it logically, and we're just kind of burnt out on that. All right. <laughs> so, are well, you're not a big horror fan, are you, Tim? No, not really. All right. Have you ever watched even one Peter Cushing movie? If I have, I mean, it's one of those things where you tell me the movie, and I'll tell you if I've seen it or not. <laughs> okay. How, how I mean, about... I've seen I've seen Star Wars, right? Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. There you go. So how about how about? Uh, Christopher Lee. Have you have you seen any of his horror movies with Peter Cushing? I mean, they made a ton of movies together for Hammer. Now you know who Hammer uh, no, is, right? I, I don't believe I've seen anything where the two of them worked in conjunction. Oh man, you have been deprived. Now you you do you do have cable TV or satellite TV, right? Yes. I okay, do. you get Turner Classic Movies. I do not. We only have. We only have Netflix and Amazon. <laughs> well, you don't have to. You don't have to order TCM. Typically, as part of your package. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know that. Well, go find TCM, and Monday uh, night, promise me you'll do this. They're going to show uh, the Horror of Dracula, which is uh, Christopher Lee playing Dracula, and I think he's the best Dracula ever. And uh, Peter Cushing plays Van Helsing. And he's the best Van Helsing. Yeah, ever. and he's great. And then they, they've got the two of them together in The Mummy. And Christopher Lee as The Mummy is the best mummy. <laughs> and uh, Peter Cushing is really good in that movie as well. He's the archaeologist. And then, uh, let's see, they got the three Frankenstein movies that Cushing did. So you need, you need to make a big old bowl of popcorn and you and your wife sit down and just and just binge out on hammer horror that's what you need to do because that's what all, all right. the uh, the castlevania games tim they took a lot of inspiration from the hammer uh dracula frankenstein and mummy movies so you might see some stuff in there that you recognize okay it's good they're good and they're really good movies because hammer hammer was really cool at building very uh over the top sets they the color I don't know what they did with the color but it was super saturated mm-hmm. it looked really really great and they they didn't spend uh, they didn't they didn't hold back their spending on uh, making their monsters look real <laughs> no um if you watch especially the uh, the Hammer Frankenstein series which I really like because the Hammer Frankenstein series as we were talking about when we were off air it follows Peter Cushing's Dr. Frankenstein whereas the Universal series followed the monster and the monster doesn't really have a lot of charisma whereas Peter Cushing's Frankenstein is all about charisma and so he has a different monster in every movie and some look a lot better than others there's yeah. some where like Christopher Lee I think he he's very corpse like he's very gaunt but then there's the one in um I think it was The Evil of Frankenstein 
Frankenstein, where they actually got the rights from Universal to do a green skin, bolt neck, flat top Frankenstein. It looked terrible. Um, David Prowse plays one of the monsters, I think, in um, Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell, which I think was the last one. And you know who David Prowse was? Darth Vader. No, yes. yes. Darth Vader. So he's humongous, but he's he's dressed up to look like a, uh, a hairless gorilla. <laughs> it's really goofy looking, but that's also kind of what makes those movies so much fun, is that the monsters are, they're less worried about looking realistic as they are concerned about looking memorable and weird. And they went out and found some of the best-looking women oh, absolutely. to be in their movies <laughs> as well. So, uh, Hammer movies from the 60s, uh, f- late 50s through the 60s, are incredible. They really, <laughs> really, really are. And the Dracula movies are fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you, Christopher Lee wore these uh, 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 contacts and he could not see through them. The bloodshot contacts. Yeah, yeah, he could not see through them. And they said <laughs> they put him on 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 the uh, the stage or put him there in in the for the movie. And they say walk this direction, and he'd forget exactly what direction they said, and he'd walk right into the camera because he couldn't see him. <laughs> Uh, so they're showing. Um, they're, are they only showing horror of Dracula? Yeah, I think they're okay. only showing the first one because I like I like the first one a lot, hmm. but I like the second one the best. Um, are you talking Prince of Darkness? Yes. Okay. Oh my lord, that's a good that, movie. That's a great one because that was the best one to do the build up of Dracula's return. So it's very eerie. It's these people in a coach. They show up at um, well, a coach shows up that has no driver. Shows up and picks them up and takes them to Dracula's castle, yeah. which for a very long time seems abandoned. Yet there are places set for them for dinner they eventually meet the the creepy caretaking staff and finally one of them is sacrificed and you get this great resurrection of dracula it's very castlevania uh tim as we've talked is that all the the idea of dracula dying and coming back over and over and over again and on these various creative ways that castlevania does it's a video game series from konami people listening out there that's all taken from the uh the hammer dracula movies but prince of prince of darkness has this great scene that's actually uh it's um, the, when they kill him at the end, Dracula. They kill him by dropping him in the moat underneath yeah. the frozen ice. Uh, but the the stunt double uh, for Dracula in in that scene was he went under the water and he was supposed to have uh, a, a breathing tank down Uh-oh. there. But when he went under the water, the uh, the fake ice thing resealed above him and he had no light because it was fake ice. It wasn't it was um, <laughs> it wasn't transparent. It was opaque. And right. so he couldn't find the uh, the, the breathing device he down there drowned, at the bottom huh? and he almost drowned. Yeah. Oh my God. That's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> I, but I just think what, you know, Bella Lugosi will always be cemented uh, to Dracula. He's the pop culture Dracula. How, people, however, yeah. however, you know, Christopher Lee brought that sexual energy. <laughs> Is that the best way to put it? He, he, to Dracula? I mean, I've heard people say that about uh, Bella Lugosi as well. I think maybe it's just different generations' idea of what was attractive. Um, but I don't know he if did. I had been a woman, I don't think that I would have gotten excited about Bella Lugosi. You know, it's what funny. About, what about you, Heidi? You've seen Bella Lugosi, haven't you, Australia? Is there anything good looking about him? Yeah, yeah. She's just I shaking think her it, head. It no. was the. I, I don't know what the standards were in 1932. I think it was a lot of it was the accent, the prestige, the Maybe. status of this count. I don't know, but there were a lot of people who liked him. But he's um when anybody does a Dracula impression, they do a Bela Lugosi voice. No yeah. one does. As Christopher Lee was in all those movies, he's he is the best Dracula. But when people say do a Dracula voice, they go blah, welcome to yeah, my castle. Yeah. You know, they, they don't do Christopher Lee. It's like I bid you welcome to. You know, they don't. Tim's do that. wondering why he's even. <laughs> 
even been invited to be on Sorry, the show Tim, today. We're... <laughs> no, no, I'm enjoying the conversation. <laughs> All right, Tim, hold on. We'll be back with you in a moment. We got to get our final break in for this hour. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, talking a little bit of Halloween, and got to talk Halloween now. We're not that far away from it. And uh, don't forget, on the 27th, uh, we'll be showing the original Friday the 13th, 40th anniversary this year for Friday the 13th. And uh, you can see Kevin Bacon die by arrow. Oh, yes. Through the bed. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about it a little bit more when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Mark Pellegrini is here in the studio. And uh, Tim Lim is with us by phone. He'll be back in Arkansas here in the near future. Be good to have him back here in the studio. We'll do that sometime. Uh, figure maybe the first Friday in November. Works for me. That'd be a good time to, to have him on. But, Tim, you and Mark work together. Uh, what uh, what are new things that you all have come out with? Uh, Mark was uh, telling me you guys have had a very successful launch of another one of your comics. Yeah, this year alone, we've already put out four books. And so we're closing out the year with um, Common America Volume 2, which I think we talked about Volume 1 earlier this spring. Yes. But we hit a, mile, yeah, we hit a milestone at 2 o'clock this morning. We actually hit 2,000 2, backers. Wow. And so, right, and so right now, our pre-order is going to end today in about 17 hours. And we're sitting at $62,000 raised Woo. for this book. It's already done. It's ready to ship. Like, we're getting the books next week. So if you're listening out there and you're in the Arkansas area and uh, you're interested in this, you don't have to worry about um, when you're going to get your book. Um, It is going to be coming to you very soon. So there's no weight attached to it. It's already finished. But we're, we're really happy about it because we've doubled our backer number from earlier this year, and we've never hit 2,000 as far as a crowdfunded. A comic is concerned. So your all's uh, backstory, so to speak, of being conservatives and stuff, hasn't uh, you know caused you any problems? No, not at all. Actually, quite the opposite. We had a lot of people. We had a lot of conservative comics pros tell us not to do conservative books. They were actually actively telling us and distancing us distancing themselves from us because we were working on Trump books. But this book that we're working on right now is actually an offshoot from one of our main (laughs) Trump titles. Now, it's not a political book, but if we hadn't taken that first step and just done what we did simply because it was available and we felt the market was right, then we would have never achieved what we've done so far. Um, So you'd be surprised. I think some of your listeners are probably thinking to themselves, um, oh, well, why wouldn't a Trump supporter or a conservative endorse their work? Well, you haven't been in the comics industry. There's a lot of conservatives who absolutely hate what we do. Uh, it's one of the reasons why we can't win a culture war. But, hey, I feel like we've made a great victory today in terms of what we did. Now, wait, let me stop you there. Explain to my listeners why people would hate what you're doing, because it makes sense that they should be loving what you're doing. A lot of them have the opinion that in order to uh, win the culture, you have to you have to blend in with it. And I completely agree. But I, com- I agree that that's only one component of it. I think that just as the left tends to bludgeon people with their um, ideology, I think that just in any free marketplace, a superior ideology is going to win out. And so if we can do what they do as far as their tactics are concerned and use the market to produce things that people legitimately want, 
then I think that you're actually tapping into into something that people desperately have a desire for. And that's one reason why we made Trump books. It was because we noticed that in the comics landscape, no one was doing it. And especially in 2016, 2017, there were a lot of people who wanted to buy um, things that were not necessarily just directly from the president's website. They wanted something that was creative, just in the same way we have our entertainers who are constantly trying to uh, shovel their ideology down your throat. It's just like, well, we can give you something even better, and you can take it with a spoonful of sugar, so to speak, because we feel like we do a better job of doing it. Well, just today, you know, we had someone online when you announced the the two thousand backers and the the sixty two thousand um, dollar like milestone we had. We had someone on Twitter say that um, I'd support your book, but it's riddled with politics. And Common America isn't. It just has the word America in the title. And if and if somebody views the word America or the sight of an American flag as political or you know something that's aggressive, like no, that's too much politics. You can't use the word America. Like that's part of the problem. You can't use the American flag. Right? Like oh no, that's incendiary. That means you're taking a side. And if people have that attitude, then uh, like yeah, it's, it's really hard to win that culture war. All right. Well, Mark, Tim, I'll see you all again on the first Friday uh, in November. Looking forward to that, Tim. Having you back in the studio. Congratulations on your success. Happy Halloween from everybody to everybody from Mark and Tim as well. We'll talk to them right after the election, and that will come up, uh, of course, first week of November. Tim, be safe down there. I sure will. I'll see you in a couple weeks. All right. Mark, thanks for coming in. Hey, happy Halloween. All right. uh, Robert Steinbach, Chris Corbett coming up. State Senator Dan Sullivan as well on the Dave Ellswick Show. And let's talk politics. As uh, Robert Steinbach, professor of law at uh, the law school here in uh, Little Rock, joins us. Remember, his opinions are his and his alone, necessarily those of the school, the Bowen School of Law or UALR. Also, Chris Corbett joins us from over in Conway, practicing attorney uh, here in central Arkansas. His specialty is uh, engineering. Uh, but does all kinds of work in the uh, world of of law. And Robert, is uh, is State Senator Dan Sullivan going to join us sometime during the show today? Yes. All right. Seven thirty. Oh, it's about seven thirty. Okay. So yes. Uh, before he gets on, let's bring everybody up to date. Uh, Judge Griffin uh, said that basically the uh, piece of of uh, or the court case that uh, the state senator. Uh, brought against the Arkansas Department of Health uh, didn't have merit. I don't know if that's the exact words that he, he used, uh, but he is saying that, uh, hey, uh, you know, we're not going to let it continue on. And the state senator says they're going to appeal. Uh, their goal is to get that to go all the way up uh, to the Arkansas State Supreme Court because they want it uh, in concrete. 
that uh, the legislative branch of the government cannot be let out of or left out of decisions made uh, during any kind of, uh, during an, an emergency. There might need to be a thirty or sixty day period where the, the you know before the uh, legislature can get together and that the governor's got to make some you know definite decisions, but the legislature must play a part in decisions being made uh, that are affecting their constituents uh, across the uh, the state of Arkansas. Did I did I get that pretty close? Yes, you got that exactly right. The bottom line is whether or not the statute authorizes the governor to do what he's doing. Uh-huh. And whether the interpretation of that statute is consistent with the Constitution and the argument that Dan and others, by the way, of course, you well recognize that you are also a plaintiff in the lawsuit uh, have made uh, is that the statute doesn't authorize unlimited extensions. And if it were to have said so, that would be unconstitutional. Judge Griffin uh, Wendell Griffin, as you know, uh, rejected those arguments. And I like Wendell Griffin. I disagree with him on a lot of things, to be clear. I, I, I like him as an individual. And I, I, to be clear, think he's wrong on his interpretation here. But I actually think he's less wrong than Judge Fox, for example, has been in the past. I think Judge Fox is a real outlier when it comes to interpreting the law. And what Judge Griffin did here was there were, um, I think there was a better and a worse interpretation of the law. I think the law could be clearer. And I think Judge Griffin, first of all, took a worse interpretation of the law and then moreover, took an interpretation of the law that resulted in it being unconstitutional. And we know that if you have a choice in how to interpret somewhat ambiguous language, you should always be choosing the language that doesn't make an unconstitutional outcome. So I think he got it wrong twice, uh, but I actually think that the statute itself has some ambiguity. I don't want to overstate it, because in the end, I do think that the much clearer outcome was the one that the plaintiffs were pursuing. Yeah, it's it's interesting, though, that for whatever... And look, this is not personal against the governor for me. This is not personal. This is a complete... My, my view that the legislative branch, being one of three co-equal branches of government, needs to be in the mix because it's the branch of the government that actually lets the people have a say in decisions that are being made as far as I'm concerned. Would would you go along with, with that, Chris? I mean, let's bring you in on this. Yeah, well, um, you know, it's, it was an interpretation of uh, something that was codified by the legislature, um, the Emergency Services Act. And uh, I haven't digested all of the ruling yet, but it appears to me we, be, we need we need a redo this legislative act called the Emergency Services Act, where the legislative branch delegated this power to the governor. And I think that's what Judge Griffin hung his hat on. Um, Now, now Rob's right. He he pulled out two distinctions, right? Um, The application of it may be unconstitutional, which is going to be appealed, and then the actual law 
the actual environment uh, wait emergency services act may be unconstitutional so that's two distinct arguments that um will probably be raised by your by your counsel dave it's interesting well i i just I just want people to understand that we're supposed to have three co-equal branches of government, and uh, they each play a vital part in our republic, and we've got to make sure that happens, or if if more power ends up in the governor's office than ends up uh, with the uh, the Supreme Court and the legislature, things are, get to be, you know, Wackadoodle, and the same thing if it becomes uh, overpowerful in one of the other two uh, branches uh, of government. You got to keep this thing as balanced as possible. Yeah. Well, Dave, let me let me throw a let me throw a, a, an example out there. Let's throw a hypothetical, and uh, Rob can weigh in on this. Let's say the government, let's say the legislature authorized some sort of gun control and delegated the the powers to the governor, and then the governor sets up some sort of commission to go out and um, uh, start recording everybody's guns and everybody's houses or something like that. Would that be constitutional? It, that, that's what essentially has happened. The legislature has delegated the power to the executive branch. Yeah, but I think the, through the, a commission. Is, is, is the argument that we're hearing from Dan, and I'm, I'm going to kind of speak for him, although he'll speak for himself yeah. at the bottom of the hour, right. that we understand that this law was not passed. Uh, it's being misused. Is that not how people are beginning to feel on the legislative side, uh, Robert? Absolutely. Look, the key provision in the law says the governor gets to declare an emergency for 60 days uh, unless he grants himself, essentially, words to that effect, an extension. And so our read of that law means he gets 60 days plus potentially another 60 days. An extension. It doesn't say the word. It says unless extended, something to that uh, that effect. But our read is the intuitive read, I believe, which is you only get to do that once. The governor's position is he literally can extend it forever. The problem with that is. I don't believe, A, it's consistent with the language of the statute. In fact, I think it's directly contrary. Wendell Griffin thinks the opposite, as does the governor, to be clear. And secondly, let's say the statute said the governor can extend it forever. Well, that would be an unconstitutional delegation of authority. So if you were to have those words, then the, then the statute itself should be declared void. So either way... There's a problem there. With that said, maybe the legislature first time around should have said one and only one to make it more clear. But obviously, to be, it's easier after the fact when one branch interprets a statute in a way you couldn't envision. It's easier to come up with new language after the fact. So when they drafted it, it may have seemed clear enough. And now, of course, it's not clear enough. And one additional point. Well, regardless of what the statute says, why doesn't the governor and why didn't the governor call the legislature back in session during this emergency? Is that why would you not do that is my question. All right. We'll talk about it when we come back. Got to get our first break in. 
and and then I want to talk with both of you and try to help our listeners understand because we're 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 talking about you know constitutionality and things of that nature and there are times that I believe our our average listener goes well you know why is this so important well let's talk about why it's so important when we come back 16 uh, minutes after seven o'clock here on a Friday Robert Steinbach is here Chris Corbett is here I'm here coming up bottom of the hour uh, state uh, senator uh, Dan Sullivan will join us as well and we'll talk further about how much power should the governor have and should the governor have so much power that he turns around and says to the Arkansas Department of Health, well, you tell me what to do, and they're not elected, and they tell us what we have to do. We'll, we'll talk about all of this. It's important that you understand what what's really at stake here. With that in mind, we'll take a break here on the Dave Ellswick Show, remind you about uh, PI Roofing and how they want you to know that they stand ready to help you uh, make sure your roof is in uh, 100% working order to protect you from the the elements because that's what your roof is. It's your last protection against the elements from affecting uh, the you know inside your house, your family, and all the things that you own that you have inside the house. Uh, you give them a call. They'll come out, look at your roof. They'll tell you how good of a shape it's in. Do you need a new one? Do you need just some part of it fixed? Or are you okay? They'll tell, they can do all of that for you. You don't even have to be home when they do it, so you don't have to worry about social distancing and all that. Here's what you need to do. Just call them, all right? Use the same number I do. Talk to the same people I do at 707-3551. And I use PI Roofing exclusively uh, for my my roof. In fact, next year I'm looking at probably having to put a new roof on my house. 707-3554-51 is the number. 707-3551 or just visit them online. PIRoofing.com. All right, we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Guys, Neil in Valonia has a question for you. And and it's a legitimate question, and it's a question I'm sure uh, a lot of people are wondering. Uh, but when we answer it, I hope that they understand what we're saying. Here, Here's what it says. This is, why can't the legislature call themselves into session to try to do something about this? Yeah, it's not an option, unfortunately, under our system. They're coming into session in January, so it's not that far off. And at that point, they can pass a concurrent resolution that goes to the governor to retract his actions or modify or endorse, no less. And, of course, that's my view, is that the legislature should be involved. But, Dave, you and and Chris and your audience know well that I am very cautious about uh, COVID. And so I'm not saying that any particular provision in the governor's enactments are improper. I'm just saying have the legislature involved because I believe in the democratic process. But I'm not going out shopping or to restaurants unmasked, uncovered uh, during these days. And so I'm not disagreeing with precautions as a general matter. I'm disagreeing with the process that has taken place so far. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I want everybody to understand that 
meetings of various governmental groups and stuff are all set forth uh, with the, either in the Constitution itself or in the rules that have been passed by the legislature, correct? That's, that's right. That's a good, well, that's a good, yeah. Rob, basically, we have a part-time legislature, right? That's right. Biennial, that's right. We meet every other two. We have a, it's a part-time legislature, and there's some advantages and disadvantages of a part-time legislature. One being they get paid less. It costs the taxpayers less. They meet every other year. Or we could have a full-time legislature. Um, you know, like like the U.S. legislature. So, um, it's there's some cost issues there. I believe, given what has occurred now with COVID and these issues regarding the governor not calling the legislature back into session, that in the future the legislature should never go out of session. So while the legislature can't call it back itself back into session, I believe that the legislature can not go out of session and it will just continue and continue and continue the normal uh, process as chris points out is it goes out of session and then it's automatically called back every second year for the full legislative session but i believe it can not go out of session and then it will never need to be called back in and at this point given what has occurred in the i think in the future that would be the safe course of action All right, so let's break. I'm going to try to break this down completely now for our listener and our listeners, and why it's it's important that they understand what's being fought here about here. Look, the the legislative legislative branch of the uh, uh, three branches uh, in our government is the branch that gives you your voice. That's what the legislature does. Now, our legislature passed a law, uh, the Emergency was it Emerging Powers Act or whatever uh, yep. its specific yep. name is, which gives the governor 60 days uh, to, in, in a declared emergency by him to deal with things. And then he can call, I guess, for another 60 days, which I think they need to go in and change that. Uh, but, you know... Our governor is leaving out the legislature now and is making decisions based on what he has been told by the uh, uh, the Arkansas Department of Health, which is not an elective body uh, at all in any way, shape or form. And uh, there's been uh, some real discussion about the things that they have been uh, telling us to do about whether they are the right things. Uh, to do our uh, our uh, uh, was it uh, I'm trying to think the general uh, that we have uh, Bledsoe uh, you know when you look at what he has said he's been at kind of loggerheads with the Department of of Health and says uh, we should be op- reopening our uh, you know our uh, our businesses and things of that nature and they're saying no 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 we don't need to do that and uh, the legislature is not getting to make any decisions about this at all. That takes your voice out of all of this, and that's wrong. That that's not right. I hope that I've I haven't made this uh, more unclear to people. I'm trying to make it as you know clarify it as best we can. That to have your voice uh, in it, the voice being the voter, 
uh, being the the uh, Arkansans, is to have the legislature involved. Related to that, Dave, you know, on the ballot in a few weeks, or if you have your ballot now, it's already on there. If you have one of these uh, absentee ballots, as do I, by the way, the first issue is issue number one on the ballot. And that's whether we're going to have a brand new tax or a new tax in the Constitution that's permanent, that bypasses the legislature and goes directly to the highway department. And, of course, that's insane. The legislature needs to be involved. And yeah, with taxes, issue one, for sure. Right. The, the, the archetype of what legislatures do is enact or repeal taxes. And here, the, the issue one says we're going to bypass the legislature. And forever, forever in the future, you will have this permanent tax built into the Constitution with the money going directly to the highway department. Where is the oversight? Where is the determination of need on an ongoing basis uh, for that additional tax? And by the way, I just have to offer up this claim right now in the Constitution there is a tax, a temporary tax, that goes to the highway department. That's bad enough. I, I didn't like it from the outset. I, would not, I did not support it, in fact, 10 years or 8 years ago when it was put in the Constitution. But it explicitly says it expires in essentially 10 years. So now they want to put a new one that says instead of expiring, it's going to go on forever. And you know what they say? That's not a new tax. Wait, what? Yeah. That's not, you know why that's not new tax? In this bizarro 1984 newspeak makeup leftist language world that we live in? Because you're paying it now. Stay, yeah, okay, okay, hold on. Now. Hold on. Yep. We got to get to Rush. We'll come back, talk about this even further. Don't forget about my good friend Eric Coleman over at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Uh, you know, when you pick a, a ring or a bracelet or a necklace or whatever uh, for somebody who's important to you. You want them to know it was important enough that you wanted to make sure that it was unique, <clears throat> excuse me, to just them. I mean, look, you can go one of the big box stores and, uh, you know, with, uh, a, a, you know, a, a letter in their name and, and walk in and pick something that you know, thousands of other people are going to be wearing as well. Or you can go to Hillcrest Designer Jewelry and get something that will look completely unique and only for the person that you bought it for. And that's where Eric stands ready to help you out from uh, designing it, figuring out what should be in the design, having a computer that can give you a 3D uh, rendition of that design so you know what you're getting uh, before it uh, is made and ends up in your hand and on the ring or around the neck of the person that you're giving it to. Uh, on top of that, uh, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry will save you money when it comes to diamonds and, and colored gemstones and, and all the rest because uh, Eric Coleman, being a gemologist, has a, a great uh, supply, a, a stream, for better wording, of uh, getting hold of what you need at a cost you can afford. Uh, stop by and visit with him. 3000 Cavanaugh, 
right here in Little Rock, or call, make an appointment, and go in and talk with him at 501-246-3655. That's Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. All right, Dave Ellswick Show, uh, uh, State Senator Dan Sullivan has uh, joined us as well, uh, along with Robert Steinbach, who is a law professor over uh, at UALR, and uh, his opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily uh, the uh, opinions held by the School of Law or the university. And Chris Corbett is with us from Conway. He is a practicing attorney here uh, in Arkansas as well and uh, grew up in this state, loves this state, and uh, works hard for this state. Uh, Senator uh, Sullivan, let you know, we lost the first round to Judge Griffin, but I know that you're going to appeal. But the question is, why is it that it seems like to me when you get up into the upper echelons, use that word, uh, of the, the branches, that everybody thinks their branch is the most important branch? I mean, I and look, we got supposedly three co-equal branches uh, but lately, uh, the the Supreme Court and the governor's branch are both trying to take up, all, suck up all the power. Is is that not true? Well, uh, correct. And you know, we were so fortunate when our country was founded that they tried to appoint George Washington as king, and George said no. Uh, he abdicated in a sense and said the power rests with the people, and. In fact, the original intent of the founders was for the legislative branch to be the most powerful. And one thing that uh, Judge Griffin was correct in is that the legislatures, not just in Arkansas, but over time and nationally, have given uh, the the executive branch more and more power. And we have got to start taking that power back. Uh, Fewer committees uh, at the executive branch, fewer uh, of these appointments that the governor makes, and let the legislature have these task forces that the governor does. You know, fewer of those, and let the legislature go back. You know, one of the things that I hear, Dave, and you mentioned it, I think, earlier, uh, that I hear from a lot of people, why do you oppose the governor and why are you suing him? We are not opposing the governor. We want to represent the people. We want to assist in solving the problems that are before us uh, and probably more so in an emergency than any other time. You know, the, in the uh, initial stages of this emergency, we all, legislators, citizens, were looking for uh, guidance, for assistance. What do we do? What is the science? How do we act? And over the course of the first few months, we learned what we need to do to protect one another, to help one another, uh, to try to keep our businesses open. And now we're to the point that we pretty much know what we need to do. We know who the people are that are most at risk. We know the locations where uh, one is most at risk. And people have the ability to protect themselves. But, uh, again, it's certainly time that we go back and bring the legislature in. And I think you mentioned it also, or maybe Robert, that this is, uh, you know, the governor can't have uh, perpetual authority. In fact, the way the judge ruled, the governor Hutchinson could pass that authority on to the next governor. 
and we could be in for a governor being in 100% control uh, perpetually. That's not what the Constitution intended. I know I kind of went beyond what you uh, what you talked about, but y'all made a couple of great points early on that I wanted to support. Well, you know, and and this is the point. Right now, the people of the state are being shut out in the decision making of this, and that's that's important. And people say, "Well, we vote for the governor." Yeah, you do, but your legislature is where your voice lies. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, where you where people see that, Dave, it's in the businesses that are closing around their communities. Our businesses have been hit hard. Restaurants are closing. Uh, all these um, other manufacturing businesses, some businesses leaving our state entirely. Uh, and those are the that's the voice that the people need to have uh, locally. Also, you know, the governor has also also in his act shut out and sidelined your local city council. Who knows best uh, how to care for the businesses and keep commerce running in their community? And that's what the voice of the people is, is just to bring representative government uh, back to the state. A lot of people also ask, so if you win, what happens? Do masks go away? Social distancing go away? Does all that go away? No. What What happens when we win is the return of representative government that we have uh, co-equal branches, as we've, as we've said several times, and we become a part uh, of that, um, that process. You know, right now in the legislature, we are discussing how to disperse federal dollars to save businesses. And it's very difficult because the dollars are difficult to get out. People are missed. Uh, there are blind spots. You have to go back and correct it. What we are not doing is allowing businesses to help themselves and communities to help themselves. It's a huge error that we're making that can only be rectified when we return with local legislators coming to Little Rock, helping be a part of the solution. So, uh, Robert, did you have a question? Chris, do you have questions? Oh, no, I'm only statement is appeal. Ahead, appeal. Yeah, I was saying appeal it. Move forward. Well, in fact, we have, uh, you know, I have drafted and will be filing, uh, uh, Robert mentioned it earlier, I'll be filing, I think filing date is November 12th, a concurrent resolution that will end the emergency. Uh, so I'm looking oh, nice. for our post right now. Uh, we'll try to get that, that moving and get it in the works just to let the people know, because there are thousands of people who are reaching out, many of your listeners, Dave, what do we do to return to a representative democracy? Mm-hmm. And it's really disappointing that our governor doesn't recognize the importance of uh, the representatives coming to Little Rock and being a part of the solution. Uh, and he apparently thinks we're there to stop him, not to help him. And that's just not the case. We're there to be a part of the solution. Yeah. That's a great question. I mean, why does the governor feel that the the legislation, the legislative branch of this government shouldn't be involved in these decisions? You know, at first he said because he needed to act quickly and we were too slow. But then he realized that we have an emergency uh, rulemaking procedure where the um, the secretary of health can come before the legislature almost immediately and bring forth an emergency rule that can be passed. 
So the governor said that once and then kind of backed off of that and quit saying it. Uh, and I don't know that he's ever voiced that concern anymore other than I think he said he trusts the experts. Well, who's to say we don't trust the experts? You know, we trust experts. We want to look at the science. We want to do what's right for the people. You know, the governor took an oath uh, to protect the people. That's his first oath, is protect the people and protect the rights of the people. But it's also the oath that all of us took. If you'll remember those familiar words, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which is your you know, pursuit of business and your livelihood, we all took that oath. So to say that your legislators really don't care about the people and that we really don't want to take the time to do what's right, uh, it's, just, uh, it's just not true. Well, if you were to walk around the halls of the legislature, you would understand that the legislatures are the closest to the people. That's why we have representative government. State Senator, we talked about this yesterday uh, when we had an author on talking about the panic and uh, the panic over the pandemic and how it changed the pandemic into a catastrophe. And that is, well, which doctors do you listen to? I mean, even here in the state, uh, when Nate was uh, uh, in charge of the uh, uh, Department of Health, and then you have Bledsoe, who uh, you know is uh, you know the governor's uh, uh, health general, basically, they didn't they didn't agree on how to reopen uh, the state. Evidently, so who do you listen to? It sounds like to me it becomes politicized at that point. Well, you're correct, and you know the. Uh, that's the whole founding principles of our government were on debate, dialogue, discussion, and persuasion. And essentially what the governor has said and what the judge has said is there'll be no dialogue, there'll be no debate, there'll be no discussion. This is what we're going to do. And we're going to do it for as long as we choose to do it. Um, so it's very dangerous precedent. It's the whole reason behind uh, the lawsuit is not about Again, masks. It's not about social distancing. It's not about all of those things. It's just about what form of government we have. Uh, and I think it's uh, really being um, playing itself out right now as people become more involved and more engaged and just regular people are asking the question, just whose science are you believing and why is your science the only science that we get to go by? The other question that we hear, Dave, is just follow the CDC guidelines. Well, the CDC guidelines are all over the place. In fact, I think they came out with a study just last week that said something like 70 to 80 percent of the people who come down with COVID are, are frequent, are all the time mask wearers. Eighty-five percent. Eighty-five percent. And so when you, you say, well, the governor follows CDC guidelines, well, actually he doesn't. And he's even said in press conferences before that he'll essentially pick and choose what CDC guidance he wants to follow. All right, we got to get a break in. Let's do that. Our special guest, uh, State Senator Dan Sullivan, also Rob Steinbach and Chris Corbett. When we come back, Rob, if you got a question, we'll go with you as we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert, I wanted to go to you. Questions that you might have for Dan. Well, Dan, you know, you and I have been discussing this, of course, but for the benefit of the audience, my question to you is how strong 
do you think our fellow Republicans in the legislature are going to be to enforce their power, their right to be involved in the process by voting for the concurrent resolution to tell the governor they must be involved come January? Well, I think it's going to be very difficult. I mean, the governor is willing to go to court and to go to the Supreme Court to say that he has absolute power for as long as he wants to um, to do it. And we did in our press in our press release. It talked about absolute power corrupts absolutely. So when we have a governor who's standing and saying, "I have absolute power," and absolutely as long as I want to do it for whatever reason, I want to declare an emergency. And the governor has proven that he has a lot of power in the legislature, especially in the Senate. And to be able to block a concurrent resolution uh, by having one or two people not show up for a committee uh, is certainly of concern. So I don't have a lot of faith uh, that we'll be able to pass a resolution, uh, given the governor's opposition and also the fact that we had so few legislators, only 18 out of 135, who are willing to stand up for the Constitution um, and you know, put their name on the line for the Constitution. So I think it will be very difficult. And let me throw this in. I know we're getting ready to about coming to the end of the hour. We're going to have to raise another $10,000 to go to the Supreme Court. So I hope people will go to uh, uh, reopen Arkansas. Uh, on Facebook and the web and the Northeast Arkansas Tea Party and help us raise the money necessary to get our constitutional rights back. And, Dave, and guys, that's so sad that the people have to go independent and raise the money to get their constitutional rights back when at the same time people are trying to put in our Constitution to tax them (laughs) perpetually. Uh, It just seems almost out of control now. You know, last question for you, Dan. Uh, I was listening to the governor talk about uh, Griffin's decision, and he seemed to be taking some shots at northeast uh, Arkansas and uh, talking about uh, a flare-up up there and things of that nature. Uh, did you take a little bit of umbrage at some of the things that he was saying? Not at all. The governor called us the free state of northeast Arkansas at one time. And I appreciate him calling us out for being freedom-loving people. And I think there'll be more uh, people around the state come out and say that we, too, want to take a stand for freedom. You know, I think the group of Northeast uh, of uh, Reopen Arkansas has four, three or four or 5,000 followers in it. And they are kind of turning people away because they want activists. Uh, The Tea Party in Northeast Arkansas uh, has thousands of people. And, guys, I hear from people all over the state the stories of, and business stories and people trying to get to see, uh, see their loved ones in long-term care. And pe- more and more people are even going to their city councils and trying to get city councils to pass a resolution asking the governor to uh, end this state of emergency. So, no, I'm not offended. Uh, I wear that label proudly. Uh, because I stand for the people who elected me. It's one of the reasons I got elected by almost a 20% margin. I stand for the people. All right. Uh, State Senator Dan Sullivan. Dan, thank you very much for your time this morning. We appreciate it. Uh, We will keep in touch with you. And as being a a plaintiff of this, I'll keep on bringing this up to the folks so they hear what the the latest news is. Thanks again. Have a great day. All right. State Senator Dan Sullivan.
here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick show. He brings up some some very vital points that people need to to take into consideration, Chris. Don't you think? Oh yeah, he's just excellent. He's been great. His actions are speaking louder than his words. You see what he's doing. You see how he. He got elected. He's he's put his uh, you know personal uh, ideas uh, on the line there in the lawsuit, and um, it's just fantastic. Yeah, he's putting you know he's just coming into the Senate uh, in the at the beginning of the year. He'll be a new member. Uh, how do you think that affects him with the Republican majority, uh, uh, Robert? Will he? You know, we got a minute left. Yeah, well, what I'll say about that is reflective of the comments that Dan Apley made earlier, which is I'm not particularly concerned about those Republicans. I don't know whether they're a majority or not that are in the back pocket of corporations, in the back pocket of the trucking industry or the back pocket of any governor, meaning they're not acting independently as the legislative branch should. So I don't know the answer to that very good question, but at a moral level, I'm I don't care about sidling up to a bunch of cronies, be they Republicans or Democrats. And this next legislative session will be a good test of who are the cronies and who are the true conservatives. And for the cronies, look out, because I know Dave Ellswick will go on the radio come next election time and call them out the same way I will. All right. We'll take a break. We got to get the break in and then we got another half hour. Robert and Chris. Matt Smith stands in the on-deck circle. He'll be back with us at 835. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Stay by now for uh, some local news and national news to bring you up to date. with the Dave Ellswick Show, but at 6 o'clock here on uh, 101.1 FM, The Answer. If you were listening earlier today, uh, you heard State Representative Dan Sullivan join us and talk about, uh, you know, his thoughts about Wendell Griffith, Judge Wendell Griffith's, uh, uh, you know, opinion of uh, the lawsuit that has been uh, set up uh, to... uh, go against the Arkansas Department of Health, uh, saying that they don't have the right under the Constitution to make all the decisions that they're making uh, without legislative approval, basically. I think that's the best way of, uh, of voicing this. I'm, I'm a plaintiff of that lawsuit. I believe that the, you know, the legislature has been left out of this whole process for the most part, and uh, the decision that they made uh, early on about emergencies has been uh, misapplied and needs to be rectified. 
And uh, right now, it looks like, it's as, as we heard the state uh, senator say earlier, it looks like the governor's ready to go all the way to the state Supreme Court uh, to, to hold on to, to his power. And guys, um, that should say things uh, to people out there. Uh, you, you don't want to see your legislature out of the decision-making process. Well, of course not. We've talked about this uh, quite a bit today, as well as previously. Uh, the legislature, of course, is a co-equal branch of government, but it is the most democratic of all of the branches of government. And by that, I obviously am not referring to the party. I mean, it's the most related to the people on a day-to-day level. It is elected more often than the governor and, of course, the um, Supreme Court as well. And so it has the greatest connection to the people. That's its virtue. It has its negatives, too, that are offset by the longer election cycle of the other two branches. But democracy is not the virtue of the other two branches. And that's why the legislature needs to be involved And whether there's a legal obligation or not, and I believe there is, the governor should call back the legislature. What's the problem? As Nike says, just do it. Yeah, and and we we know, guys, why the governor doesn't do it, because there is the decided uh, part that they could get together, rewrite the emergency uh, issue, uh, that they're, the governor is using, the law that he's using to continue to hold on to power, and he could lose that power. I Let me give you an analogy, Dave. I chair the university-wide tenure committee at the University of Arkansas at Little Rock, and I tell all the members every time they seek to elect a chair, and they've been electing me, is that My view is no greater than anybody else's. The only thing I do is administrative. I call the meetings. I recognize the speakers in the order in which they raise their hands. But I have no greater substantive power than anybody else, and nor do I seek to. And unfortunately, we see too often nationally, which includes, of course, Arkansas, that elected officials try to grab up power. I don't want to grab up power. People like Dan Sullivan doesn't want to grab up power, but he doesn't want to be ignored either. And he doesn't want the legislature to be ignored either. And so it's that perfect balance that we're trying to seek when others, unfortunately, are not so open to it. Yeah, uh, I just think this is so important for the average Arkansan to understand that I believe, and it's a reason that I I became a plaintiff of this particular lawsuit, is that it strips the average Arkansan of whatever little bit of power they have through their legislative uh, uh, liaisons. Chris? Yeah, well, I'm just reading it. I'm reading it, Dave. This is very interesting. Some of the other powers that he's had or can use under this Emergency Services Act. I was reading one clause here. He could uh, suspend or limit the sale or dispensing of transport uh, or transportation of alcoholic beverages, explosives, and combustibles. I mean, under that Administrative Emergencies Act, could he order the prohibition of sales of bullets, 
could bullets be labeled as explosives? There, there's a, it gives too much power to the governor, and there's no escape clause. Like this, this, this needs to be rewritten. This, this law needs to be rewritten to bring some power back to the legislature. Right now, as you can see, the they get the legislatures given the power to the governor. Um, the legislators and yourself have sued trying to interpret that law. And as, as of right now, Judge Griffin said, nope, the governor can do it for as long as he wants. So the way they wrote this thing for 60 days, it didn't get applied like that. He can extend it uh, unanimously, right, with one vote, the governor. Yeah, that's, that's it's kind of crazy. And, again, I go back to what we had talked about uh with the the, the, the state uh, senator and and that being you know they say well we're just following what uh, the, the 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 people who are in the know uh scientifically are saying about this well who makes that decision that's what i'm saying i mean is it bledsoe i mean he's the uh you know, the, the the Surgeon General of Arkansas, or is it the Department of uh, of Health? I mean, I... Dave, you... Yeah. No, you're hitting right on something that's one of my pet peeves, Dave, and I, me and Rob argue about this back and forth. We They, they kick this um, sort of justification for doing something to, uh, to a study or to... Uh, uh, so-called science, or let's have a legislative study that um, um, ladders hurt people, you know, and, and then let's ban ladders throughout the state. Let, let's have a um, some uh, scientists come up here that are on our payroll, uh, and now they're medical professionals, but they're on our payroll. You know they're going to say what you want them to say, right? The the ma- we got to wear the masks, mask mandate. When you know, actually, there's facts out there that show otherwise. The mask may or may not be doing anything. Um, so it's a it's one of the oldest tricks in the book, Dave, to keep power in the administrative state to expand the power. Let's let's spend some money on a legislative study uh, showing whatever we want it to show, and then therefore we're justified in making this order. That order being coming from not the legislature, the voice of the people, but from the executive branch. It's how the executive branch has taken over um, the legislative branch. Yeah, I'm really concerned about this because it just seems to me, as we've watched, you know, Biden does this all the time. He says, I'll listen to the science. Well, which scientists are you going to listen to? Because there's yeah. two decidedly different camps dealing with this. It, it would seem to me you should say, I'll listen to both sides and see who's saying what and which science seems to make more sense uh, to me. Because let's face it, senators and congressmen are not doctors or lawyers. Well, they may be lawyers, but doctors or, or uh, you know, science majors for, you know, all we know. And so they're relying on a few people telling them how we're supposed to do uh, things here in this country, and the people telling them could be 80% wrong. Rob, what do you think? (laughs) Well, this is the problem that we have when anybody declares what the state of evolving science is. And so there are some things that we know are bad, 
And there are some things that we know are good. And there are many more things in the middle that are open for interpretation. And that's why have the legislature involved, have all the branches of government involved so that we can make as good a decision as we can at the moment. This is the irony that you see on the national stage. Trump was the one who shut down travel from China while the Democrats called him a xenophobe, a racist. You know, all the classic lines that they call any Republican every time the Republican sneezes or bats an eye. And now they say, well, Trump didn't do enough. Maybe he didn't do enough because in the moment, it's hard to know exactly how to calibrate something. But at the moment, the Democrats wanted to do less, not more. So let's have the legislature involved on an ongoing basis and we will get the best possible decision making for the moment. And it may turn out not to be ideal, but it's better than unilateral decision making. Yeah, just I just tell you, CDC has, has changed uh, the way that that they want to do things, and uh, the, who has come up with different ways of looking at uh, this virus. And uh, you know, they say don't shut things down, uh, but uh, the governor of California says I'm going to keep things shut down because who said at the beginning that we should shut things down? I mean, this is craziness. To what's going on in our in our country right now? In in New York, we know what's going on up there. We know what's going on in some other states, in Michigan and others. Uh, I want you know, like I said, I I listen to a lot of this stuff and. If you came to my house, you'd find blood spots on the walls. You really would, because I beat my head against the wall listening to these folks talk a lot of the time. I mean, they've they've come out and they've said, you know, that your chances, even if you get this disease, even if you're at the, the apex part, like myself, of dying from it, you only have a 97% chance of dying, from, or a, less than a 97% chance uh, of dying for it, I guess. I mean, less than a three percent chance. Yeah. yeah, I hope I said that correctly. But the bottom line is, <coughs> people living in fear because they've not they they get this information and the media just continues to to beat the drum that somehow this is taking us to a dystopian future that you've seen in movies and uh, everybody's going to die and. You know, military vehicles will be driving through the streets, crushing skulls underneath of them of dead people. It's just crazy <laughs> stuff. People are, people are, they've been watching too many movies. Well, Dave, the president aptly said words to the effect of don't let the virus dominate your life. And you know that it has dramatically affected my life. I don't go into stores. I wear a mask whenever I have to go out and be near people. Like when I had a doctor's appointment recently, for example, that I kept kicking back, so finally I went. So I take a lot of precautions. But to say don't dominate it, your life means don't let it overwhelm your thinking. Don't let it put you into a state of constant fear. And the Democrats... Uh, crucified the president for that. But, of course, it was uh, FDR who said, wasn't it FDR? It was FDR. Said, we uh, have nothing to fear but fear itself. Right. 
And of course, we had a lot to fear. It was World War II. So the point was, don't let it dominate your mental process. And the president now says the same thing, and the Democrats crucify him for what their sainted president said 70 years ago. It's, that's the hypocrisy of the left today. All right, let's get a break in. When we come back, uh, Chris and Robert will be back for one last segment. I'd like to talk about what you think we can expect from the final debate between Biden and Trump. That's coming up on the 22nd, I believe, and uh, we'll be carrying it live right here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, final segment for this half hour as we get ready for the news and our guest, Chris Corbett out of uh, Conway, a local attorney. Uh, specialty in engineering, uh, is a member of the uh, Dave Ellswick Power Panel when it comes to legal-type things to talk about. And then Robert Steinbach, who's here and been a part of my show for years and years, law professor at the Bowen School of Law over at UALR. His opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the school or of the university. Guys, uh, on the 22nd, which is Thursday, uh, of this coming week, uh, we'll have our final presidential debate. Uh, what are you expecting uh, to come out of that debate? How do you think uh, President Trump will conduct himself? Because I, I do believe that he's going to have to let Biden talk more instead of trying to talk over him. Uh, let Biden try to talk over him. On bottom line, uh, the president has a much, I think, a stronger case to make than what uh, the vice president does. So let, let me turn it over to you first, Robert, and uh, your thoughts about the next debate. I believe that hopefully the president will allow Biden to uh, set himself up a little bit more. Yep. And there are going to be a number of topics to talk about. The Federalist, which is a blog, as you know, has a good uh, article on what they believe the president should do. And I, I'd like to read just one paragraph sure. from that in which it says, this is from the Federalist, uh, I want to talk about race and crime. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are basically anti-American says the Federalist. Anti-American is not just a debating term. It means Biden and Harris fundamentally don't like American people. Again, says the Federalist. And then it goes on to say, Biden said recently, quote, racism is not just a law enforcement issue. It's across the board. It's in housing. It's in education. And it's in everything we do, end quote. That's what the Federalist points out, and what they go on to say is, if you think about that, if it says racism is in housing, education, everything we do, that means, as the Democrats have done historically, they're calling you and everybody else racist. And the fact is, much like Amy Comey Barrett said on uh, during her interview, shall we call it, during her um, uh, crucifixion by the Democrats uh, is another term I would use. I've been using that a little too much, I think, in today's show, frankly, uh, that she said, I'm not a racist. And guess what, Dave? Most Americans aren't racists. And I think the president needs to call out the left and Biden and Harris for repeatedly characterizing hardworking, good Americans as racist. Isn't that something Chris, that you believe that the president has to address, I mean, systematic 
uh, ingrained racism in America. When you say that, you are saying the average American is, as Robert was just saying, a racist down to the core yeah. of their being. Yeah, I, I think that um, um, if Trump lets Biden go ahead and talk, he, he'll have some good ammo, you know, some good fodder to come back on him. Um, he, he's quick to the draw. When he hears something that he disagrees with, he's quick to say something. Let him let Biden do his thing. You know, the, the trick is they, they, they throw out three or four issues and the you know, Trump may have only time to respond to one or two. Um, but um, he's going to Biden's going to mess this thing up. You just got to let him talk. And he's out there. He's not following what majority of the Americans feel like. Um, the Americans are tired. They're sick and tired of this lawlessness. Um, and I think that, that Trump's going to do well if they can, if the moderator can somehow control the outbursts, or not outbursts, the interruptions. Um, it was hard for me to watch the first debate, and then I didn't watch the second one. But um, I hope it. Uh, I hope Trump does uh, just slams Biden on some of his stances like that. Well, yeah, and I think you have to listen to the language uh, that Biden uses because the language he uses says to the American people, you know, you're a racist. That's exactly what yeah. he's saying. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, I know, I know the, that I'm this not. This is the new left, right, Dave? Yeah. The new left is the adoption of Marxist language, but the replacement of economics, of class, with race. And they try to pit everyone who doesn't agree with them as racist the same way the Marxists tried to pit everybody that didn't agree with them as quote, capitalists in the negative sense. Of course, we adopt that term in a positive sense. And that's the problem. And for years and years, Republicans rolled over like weak little puppies and let the Democrats call them racists without responding. And obviously, for the vast majority of Republicans, they're not racists, and they need to stand up to that. Similarly, the vast majority of Americans aren't racists. And when you hear claims about systemic racism, that means you are a racist. So if you want to vote for Joe Biden, you're saying that you're a racist. I'm not a racist, Dave. You're not a racist. Chris ain't no racist. And therefore, there's no way we can vote for people that call us and all other Americans racist. I agree. All right, guys, we're going to take a break. Uh, we got to get some news in, and then uh, I'm going to let you all go, and then I'm going to come back with Matt Smith. But the bottom line is I think that that was a very important point uh, that we just made, that basically, not basically, definitely, that you, you, you have been talking about uh, this, is that when they say it's systematic, it is racism that they're calling you. A break. we got news. All right, time for uh, Matt Smith to join us. Uh, the uh, movie entrepreneur that he is owns all the theaters. And uh, as far as Hot Springs VIP, you got Riverdale right here in Little Rock. You got VIP Cinema in Cabot, VIP Cinema in Searcy, and the VIP Hill Cinema up in Batesville. All of those are under his uh, ownership, and uh, he makes all the different moves for those uh, 
uh, different theaters and has done a great job. Uh, Matt, I went out to a movie last night. I wanted to see it last night so that I could talk about it with you today. I went and saw the new Liam Neeson movie and Kate Walsh movie that came out, Honest Thief. And I, I give it a solid B+. Plus. Uh, great movie. A lot of fun. Uh, kind of, uh, you know, I won't say that the plot was anything different than I've seen in other movies of this ilk. But bottom line, the people who acted in it took it to a different level. Great film. Uh, it's new out in theaters today. Uh, I loved it. Got a great review today in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Good film. Uh, you know, your standard Liam Neeson action movie. And you know what you're going to get when you go to one of those movies starring him. And it definitely delivers. Yeah, it really did. And I I know I enjoyed it. And the people who were in the theater seemed to in, enjoy it as well. Uh, the time uh, in the theater went fast. And that's the way I tell whether I'm liking a movie or not. If it seemed, I look at my at my phone and it only 10 minutes has passed and it feels like an hour, I know I'm watching a dog of a movie at that point. That wasn't the case with this movie. This movie was really good. I'm also going uh, on either tomorrow night or Sunday afternoon. I'm going to go see this new one uh, with the monsters involved in it. Talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, Honest Thief is rated PG for some action. Uh, excuse me, PG-13 for some action. Love and Monsters, also rated PG-13. Uh, I would say that it's kind of a zombie land meets, um, you know, the Hunger Games or or, or a zombie land meets Maze Runner. Okay. Uh, it is a, uh, yeah, it's got action in it. Uh, there's, there's an apop- apocalyptic event that uh, forces uh, people underground, uh, and they have to uh, battle the monsters, uh, in effect, to uh, in this post-apocalyptic world. A meteorite is, is, seems toward Earth, and that puts us in this dystopian, crazy future. Uh, it's full of action, and that's kind of kind of where the uh, the, zo- the zombie land comparison comes to, or, or maybe a Walking Dead type comparison, with just battling the monsters that are you know trying to eat you. But uh, there's there's kind of a romance aspect to it that that reminds me of Hunger Games or um, a Maze Runner in the young adult novel vein. Yeah, you got so, a, uh, yeah. you got you got a young guy uh, who sees all these couples where he's at underground and he he wants in on a relationship, but the only way to do that is to go out and find a, somebody to have a relationship with, and to do that means you got to take a chance and. And go out and uh, find the person to have a relationship with. Yes, it, it's from Paramount Pictures, and it's a good Halloween type monster movie that's that's out, you know, new today. Uh, Open Road distributed the uh, Honest Thief film uh, with Liam Neeson, uh, but Loving Monsters is from Paramount. We've also got a romantic comedy that starts today called Two Hearts. It's from Freestyle Releasing. It's PG thirteen, uh, nice romantic comedy for some counter programming. Uh, and then also reissued to theaters is The Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, PG, uh, the Tim Burton classic from Walt Disney Films. Uh, that's back in theaters today as well. So yep. you need to check all four of those movies out at all of my locations. Tenet is still on the screen. Great uh, movie. New Mutants. Yes, yes. New Mutants is still on the screen. You can still catch Unhinged. 
uh, with Russell Crowe. And we're also still playing the uh, reissue of Hocus Pocus. All right, so, so a lot to choose from this weekend. You know, we are open yeah, out there to serve you. Yeah, that's for everybody to understand. It, it's opened. A few more people showed up uh, last night than I expected on a Thursday night. I was happy to see that. I would think that with Liam Neeson out, you may have more people venture out to the theater. And uh, while I got you on today, why don't you talk about what you all do in between movies to make sure when people come on in and sit down in their seats, they know that the person who may have been sitting in it before, you guys have already gone in and, and disinfected those seats and things, correct? Yes, yes. Let me throw this out there real quick. Now, we're still playing The War with Grandpa, which is rated PG. More to film in the country. Stars Robert De Niro. Good family comedy. Uh, certainly last Friday is still on the screen at all five locations, so let's not forget The War with Grandpa PG. You can go to the website for any of our movie theaters and just click right there at the top, Safe and Clean Guidelines. You just click on that, and there's a video you can watch. Just explains to you what we're doing, kind of shows you the process that we're going through. And then there's just some bullet points across there to let you know what we're doing to protect you. All of our staff members uh, wear masks. All of our staff members uh, wear gloves. We have the uh, six foot of social distancing clearly marked out on the floor where you should stand. If you're approaching the uh, the cash register, if you're approaching the counter, we're operating with reduced show times that allows us to do uh, extra cleaning. We're not showing uh, movies as many times a day as we normally would. Uh, that allows the janitorial staff to get in there and really disinfect and clean those theaters. And then with the reduced show times, we're also allowed to do more cleaning between the shows. So a lot of that is in place, the social distancing, the masks, the extra cleaning for you to get out there. Um, and as you know, movie theaters reopened um, in places like South Korea, uh, in Europe, uh, Russia, places like that before they reopened in America. Um, and, you know, some theaters have been, we've been open since May the 18th, uh, but theaters open at various dates around Canada and the United States between May and now. There have been no issues of any cases of um, the China virus being traced to a movie cinema. So uh, that in itself is uh, awesome good news, and we certainly want people to be aware of that. You know, we are open. We do have new movies for you to watch, and the safe and clean protocols are in place uh, to uh, to keep you safe. You know, we're doing our part. Yeah, Just I, go to the website and, and click Safe and Clean Guidelines and check it out. That's what I was going to say. People need to look at that and see, because I was, uh, you know, I, I watched it and was like, yeah, that's very cool that they do that. That's super. So uh, we've got some other movies coming up in the uh, the future. Uh, last night before The uh, Honest uh, Thief, uh, we saw the trailer uh, for a new movie with Ryan Reynolds that's uh, coming out uh, here before the end of the year uh, where he is a character in a video game, doesn't realize that he's a character in a video game, but then ends up being a superhero in a video game. It looks like it might be a, a lot of fun as far as uh, watching that. And the other one, and I saw this is the uh, extended version of uh, Wonder Woman 1984. They showed the trailer for that. That looks intense and looks great. Yeah, great stuff for the rest of the year. Now, next week on uh, October 
23rd, we'll have The Empty Man from 20th Century Fox. Brand new movie next Friday, October 23rd. That's coming out. We're going to bring back the Adams Family PG for the Halloween uh, time frame uh, for families. We'll also have Monsters, Inc., uh, rated G from Walt Disney Pictures. That'll be back on the screen next week. And we are bringing in Halloween from uh, 1978. And, of course, that's rated R. And that's, that's the original Halloween. That'll be back on the big screen. So those three movies are back next week, as well as the brand-new film, uh, The Empty Man. Uh, on the um, 30th, uh, we will have Come Play, which is a new horror feature from Focus Films. Uh, that's brand new on the 30th. We'll also bring back um, Attila Battle Angel, uh, a reissue of that action picture on November the 30th. November the 6th, we have uh, Let Him Go, the new film with Kevin Costner. Uh, that comes out November the 6th. November the 13th, we have the new film Freaky from Universal Studios. So uh, a lot of new product coming into the theaters each week. A lot of stuff to give you a chance to get out of the house, come watch a film. And, of course, if you watch one of the classic movies with us, those tickets are only $5. All movies are $5 on Tuesday, even our new films. But uh, we do try to keep a classic on the screen, and those tickets are $5 all the time. Uh, Monday night, we offer Matinee Monday. So even on Monday night, movie tickets are just the matinee price, which gets you a discount on Monday night. Tuesday, everybody gets in for $5, all movies, all seats, all the time. Wednesday, you get a free bag of popcorn with the purchase of a movie ticket. And then, of course, the classic movies, seven days a week, all showtimes are just $5. Got a lot of concession specials going. I've got some candy for a dollar, nachos just $3. Uh, steep discounts on popcorn and our other food. Just check out the websites, uh, Riverdale10.com, CerseiCinema.com, CabotVIPCinema.com, OaksVIPCinema.com in Batesville, and HotSpringsVIP.com in Hot Springs to check out all those specials. And, of course, uh, we serve beer and wine in uh, Hot Springs, uh, in Cabot, and in Little Rockets, Riverdale 10. And, of course, all the theaters have a full food menu, and you can check all that out on the websites. Luxury leather recliners with tables and reserved seating at all those locations. I got to tell you. What's going on? I had a good time uh, last night going and seeing uh, that first-run movie with Liam Neeson. I want to remind everybody that on the 27th of this month, over at Riverdale 10, make sure you go on Riverdale10.com and buy your tickets to go see Friday the 13th, the original Friday the 13th, the first of the 12 movies in the Friday the 13th series, and uh, enjoy it. The 40th anniversary of that motion picture, and we're doing it on the 27th, and you can buy your tickets now, and you should go get those uh, as as we speak on the uh, Riverdale10.com website. It's going to be. Kings are five bucks. The movie is from 1980. Uh, you know, catch the original. Be a lot of fun. Tuesday night, October the 27th at 7 p.m. Yeah, it is going to be a, a, a lot of fun. We'll be back with more with Matt in just a moment. We got to get a break in. That's part of the business of radio, and we got to pay some bills, so we're going to do that. Matt, stay with us. We'll be back, and we'll talk further here on the Dave Ellswick Show Friday edition, talking movies right now. We got more to talk about when we come back. 
Final segment uh, with Matt Smith, uh, who owns uh, the Hot Springs Theater, VIP Cinema, Riverdale 10, uh, Cabot VIP Cinema, Searcy VIP Cinema, and, of course, the Oaks VIP Cinema up in Batesville. And uh, we're going to talk for a few more moments here. So is Wonder Woman still set to come out in 2020, or are they going to push it back to 2021? You know, the date for Wonder Woman right now is Christmas Day. Uh, I'm sure that is, you know, obviously subject to change. Um, you know, we got some good movies lined up, like we talked about earlier. Um, you know, on the 13th of November, you got Freaky from Universal. They're also putting out that new Cruise movie on um, the 20th of November. Uh, December's got some good movies dated right now, like Wonder Woman and uh, Death on the Nile, which is December the 18th. So we've got some new movies that are coming in to release. There's new movies coming out every Friday, like we just talked about. Honest Thief this week with Liam Neeson, and of course Love and Monsters, new this week, and Two Hearts, uh, PG-13, which is a romantic comedy. Three brand new films this week. Last week we had War with Grandpa. Uh, next week we have Empty Man. On the 30th we have Come Play. So new movies all being released. Movie theaters are open. Uh, people should, you know, know that and, and feel good about coming out. I mean, we've been open back up since May the 18th. So uh, at this point, uh, the Wonder Woman date is Christmas Day. Um, a lot of people think that, you know, things will change after the election. Uh, like you and I have discussed before, one of the biggest problems that we have in my industry is the fact that um, New York City uh, is shut down. Uh, you know, they've shut down all the theaters in the state of New York. That is a, a huge problem uh, for my industry. And then uh, right behind that, Los Angeles movie theaters are closed. San Francisco movie theaters are closed. And then uh, the entire state of New Mexico, those movie theaters remain closed. But obviously the issue for us is the New York uh, metropolitan area, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. Um, some people believe that after the election, that will change. And, and, and you know, my industry feels like um, – those Democratic governors are doing everything they can to create the economy to hurt Republicans in the election. Mm-hmm. Um, Cuomo has been a, a massive, massive pain, um, and so has Gavin Newsom. Uh, and it's kind of crazy how, um, especially Gavin Newsom there in California, how they depend on the movie studios for so much of their economy and they essentially crippled the studios by um, closing down the cities of Los Angeles and San Francisco. You know, New York City, Los Angeles, and San Francisco represent 25% of all potential movie tickets sold any given weekend in the United States. So it's hard to release a huge major motion picture that you've got $300, $350 million in making it and another $100 million in marketing that picture. Hard to release that when you know from the gate you're you're not going to be able to sell 25% of your tickets just because they don't allow those theaters to open. Um, There's just been massive upset from uh, exhibitors and studios uh, with uh, Cuomo and Gavin Newsom over this issue. Um, You know, at, at, at some, you know, Hollywood liberals at this point are somewhat upset with um, those two liberal governors, which is which is very strange for them to be on the opposite sides of an issue. You, usually they're in lockstep like some communists. Yeah, yeah that, that's no, no doubt. But when it starts affecting your money, uh, how much money you're making, uh, you know, th- things can change. By the way, The Empty Man looks like it's going to be a pretty good movie 
uh, to come out as we move into Halloween because it has a horror component to it. Next Friday looks good. Brand new from 20th Century Fox. Um, great film. Uh, you know, hope people will come check that out. A lot of new movies out there. Honest Thief this week, Two Hearts this week, Love and Monsters this week, War with Grandpa with Robert De Niro with Leftover from last week. People should come to the movies. I mean, yeah. um, you know, like that pushback on New York and Los Angeles, uh, they've sold 35 million tickets to movie theaters in South Korea uh, since those theaters have reopened. Not one case of virus has been traced to movie theaters. 35 million tickets sold, <laughs> you know. So I, I, Gavin Newsom in California and Cuomo in New York have a different agenda other than public safety. I mean, you look at New York City, bowling alleys are open. Skating rinks are open. Bars are open. But movie theaters are not. Yeah, How crazy is that? It, it's <laughs> yeah. absolutely nuts. It really, really is. It's absolutely crazy. So we got about four minutes, five minutes left here. Let me ask you, with all of the pushback that we've had now, by pushback I mean we've got Godzilla, we've got James Bond, we've got all kinds of movies that were supposed to open this year that have been moved to next year which are going to take up dates for movies that were supposed to open up next year, and some of them are being moved all the way back to uh, 2022. This is going to have a ripple effect over uh, quite a few years for the big studios in Hollywood. Yes or no? Well, yes, in a way. But you've got to understand that during this, this entire situation, while movie theaters have been closed, film production has also been shut down. So those movies that were being supposed to be made the past six or nine months to come out next year haven't been able to film, so they're not ready. The twenty the the films originally dated for twenty twenty one have to be pushed into twenty twenty two because they haven't been made or they haven't been finished. So moving these twenty twenty movies to twenty twenty one will allow those films to be finished. They just simply weren't ready. I mean, you shut down everything. Editing, production, filming, uh, cinematography, anything to do with sound. There's simply no work that went on for nine months with making movies. So those dates have to shift. Um, you know, there's just there's nothing in the pipeline because nothing's been able to shoot. You know, they're just now starting back to work. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yes. And if you look at the 2021 and the 2022 slates, those years are strong. There's a lot of good motion pictures out there. And I tell you, the the strength the strength of the industry should be looked in the fact that ninety percent of the movies that were supposed to go to movie theaters this year have simply been shifted into next year so they can go to movie theaters. Right. You know, a couple of yeah, a couple of scrub titles have hit streaming, sure, but nine out of ten movies that were supposed to go to movie theaters in twenty twenty have been shifted to twenty twenty one. So that shows you how much the studios feel strongly about exhibition and movie theaters well you're going to be around for a long time there's no doubt you you've been making the necessary moves to keep your theaters open and to keep them running uh you know the way that they need to run so that you're going to be strong as we finally do come out of this and and get into 2021 i agree with you 2021 is going to be a spectacular year 
uh, for motion pictures. Matt, we're out of time. I uh, enjoyed the Liam Neeson film. I'm going to go see, uh, what is it, Love and Monsters. I'm going to go see that this weekend, and I'll be ready to talk about it when we get back together next Friday. Have a great weekend. We will talk to you soon. Matt Smith here. Yeah, Matt Smith here on the the Dave Ellswick Show. Be sure you join up with me on Monday, 6 a.m. Power panel will be in the studio. I'm sure we'll have something to talk about uh, that is of interest to you. That's all coming up on Monday. Have a great weekend.